So let's start with risk. The risk of being punished, the risk of being scorned, the risk of being injured, imprisoned, killed. The Rothko Chapel established the Oscar Romero Award to commemorate the murder of Archbishop Oscar Romero of San Salvador and honor those willing to risk life itself to promote human rights for all people. We all have a sense of justice, of decency. But our affairs always pressing cloud our perception. We tend to forget the colossal injustice existing in certain sectors of the world where people have no way of rising above intolerable poverty. And where any attempt at a change means risking death. We come together to contemplate our responsibility to recognize the human rights of all people. And we come together to act, to bring justice and peace to the world. Hello and good evening. My name is David Leslie. And as the executive director of the Rothko Chapel here in Houston, Texas, it is my honor and my pleasure to welcome you to the chapel in the 2020 Oscar Romero Awards. Albeit virtually this year, due to the ongoing need for safe practices, including physical and social distancing during this time of COVID-19. For almost 50 years, the chapel has been a place of pilgrimage, welcoming visitors from all over the world, seeking solace, respite, renewal within the walls of this transformative sanctuary, a complete artwork by Mark Rothko. Exemplified by Barnett Newman's broken obelisk that stands on the outdoor plaza in front of the chapel and is dedicated to the living legacy of the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. The chapel has faithfully engaged the social, political, religious, and economic issues of the day, always mindful of the deep relational, existential, and spiritual implications of how we order and live out our individual and communal priorities and social commitments. To reiterate the closing words of the opening video, central to all of our efforts is a commitment to be a sacred and safe place where voices indeed will not be silenced, even when what is communicated makes us uncomfortable, challenges the political and social norms of the day, and calls for changes of perspectives and practices that lead to a more just and equitable society. It is within this context that the Rothko Chapel established and presented the first Oscar Romero Award in 1986. Since that inaugural award ceremony, recipients have represented diverse regions of the world and have worked tirelessly on a number of critical socio-political issues, including migration, peace in the Middle East, mass incarceration, labor and indigenous rights, and the ending of torture here in the United States, as well as throughout the world. Tonight's program is the culmination of the chapel's two-year initiative on climate change that centers on the exploration of the scientific, spiritual, economic, racial, and societal implications of climate change and the impact, especially on vulnerable and frontline communities. Our initiative has engaged thousands of people from diverse sectors, including the arts, science, religion, media, business, philanthropy, and grassroots community organizations, all of which converged at the chapel's 2019 symposium toward a better future transforming the climate crisis.
And while effectively addressing climate change and its causes seem daunting, and at times the trends irreversible, the relationship forged through this initiative remind us that there is still hope, as there are so many people throughout the world who are doing all they can to address the impact of a changing climate and its causes head on and improve the planet for this in future generations. Tonight, you will meet three such people, Jorge Diaz from Puerto Rico, Bernadette Dementev from Alaska, and Herman Chorinos from Honduras. These three who, while from different parts of the world, they are joined together in the urgent work of caring for and healing the planet in the face of enormous political and economic pressure. Now, as developing the Oscar Romero Award involves a number of people, I want to take a moment to acknowledge an important group of individuals and institutions who made the 2020 award possible. I first wanted to lift up the Oscar Romero Award nomination committee. Cassandra Carmichael, executive director of the National Religious Partnership on the Environment. Guillermo Kerber, former program executive for climate justice at the World Council of Churches. Cara Mertes, project director for moving image strategies at the Ford Foundation. Mariana Molman, director of regional programs at the Fund for Global Human Rights. Brian Paras, Healthy Communities Campaign Organizer at the Sierra Club, and Nato Thompson, Artistic Director at Philadelphia Contemporary. I also want to thank Rothko Chapel Board and Program Committee member Karen Rosa, and my program staff colleagues Ashley Clemmer and Kelly Johnson for their leadership and hard work. Tonight, as we are doing this award virtually, and bringing people together from all parts of the globe. I especially want to lift up our technical crew, including Ben Productions and Jeremiah Stone, and Antenna Houston for their language interpretation services. And tonight we are particularly grateful for the financial support from the Jacob and Therese Hersey Foundation for underwriting the Chapel's Climate Change Initiative, including tonight's program. I also want to express our collective appreciation for the ongoing support provided by the City of Houston through the Houston Arts Alliance, the Houston Endowment, the Brown Foundation, as well as so many other donors, staff, and volunteers who ensure that the chapel programs and the chapel itself are open and accessible to all. Now, I want to share a quick word about the format for the award ceremony. After the invocation, I will introduce and present each of the awardees who will then share a summary of their work through both pictures and words with a special focus on their future endeavors. From the chapel, each awardee receives an unrestricted financial gift and a crystal plaque that lifts up their courageous leadership in the field that they are working in. While tonight we will not have time for question and answers, we will post the program on the chapel's website, including additional information about each of the awardees and their organizations so that you can follow up with them directly. And now to the award presentation. To place the 2020 Rothko Chapel Oscar Romero Award in its proper context this year, I would like to begin by acknowledging that the region in which the chapel was built and the community in which we live and work is the ancestral and unceded land of the Karankawa, the Akokisa, the Sana, the Ashkapa, Ichi, Ishak, and other indigenous peoples. Tonight, we lift up their elders, both past and present, mindful that the impact of climate change and its many causes continue to adversely and disproportionately affect First Nations and indigenous communities around the world. 
It is all too easy to forget this truth. Tonight we remember. It is also important to place the Oscar Romero Award within the spiritual context to which it properly belongs. It is my honor this evening to present Mioke Kane Barrett, who is the current bishop of the Nietzschean Order of North America, Nona, and resident priest and guiding teacher of the Nietzschean Buddhist Sangha of Texas and the Miokenji Temple. She will deliver tonight's invocation. Bishop Kane Barrett is a friend of the chapel who we've gotten to know well over the years and is the first Western woman and first person of African-Japanese descent to be ordained in the Nichiren Shu tradition, as well as the first female bishop of Nona. She is engaged in spreading the Dharma behind bars at the Texas Department of Criminal Justice, as well as supporting the healing of emotional issues associated with military service with healing warrior hearts. Bishop Kane Barrett, it is a pleasure and an honor to have you at the Rothko Chapel to deliver tonight's invocation. Thank you for being with us. Good evening. Nanu Honor be to the Buddha, honor be to the Dharma, honor be to the Sangha, honor be to the teachers, the sacred texts, and congregants of all faith traditions represented here, the sources of compassion, wisdom, intelligence, and love into which we are all collectively grounded. Together we acknowledge and affirm our understanding that there is one law, one love, and one light, and it is the truth of that law, love, and light that unites and brings us to this day of celebration. It is the truth of that law, love, and light that guides our actions as we live our spiritual path of commitment to the cause of life for all beings and for our planet. We call on the heavenly gods and benevolent deities who have protected and guided us all as we come together in support of love and justice for our earth and all its inhabitants. We call forth our ancestors. We honor and offer gratitude to the ancestors of those on whose land we have gathered, the ancestors of those whose efforts created this Rothko Chapel, to lift up the intersection of art, spirituality, and human rights, the ancestors of all those gathered here, and all the spirits of those who have passed away on this day of our gathering. May they be uplifted. We are grateful for the gift of their lives. In particular, we call upon the spirit of Archbishop Oscar Romero of San Salvador, who was assassinated on March 24, 1980, due to his vocal opposition to the violent oppression of his fellow citizens. In his name, we honor the efforts of the 2020 recipients of the award named on his sacrifice, Herman Chirinos, Bernadette Dimentev, and Jorge Diaz, valiant emissaries of love and hope in the struggle for wholeness and the health of our earth and the unity of all beings inhabiting its spaces. And on this day, in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic, an urgent movement seeking social justice in deep recognition of the value of the creative, loving work and energy of these awardees, we pause to answer, to honor their efforts, their struggles, their losses and gains as they have continued to maintain their commitments to climate and environmental justice. In honoring their works and their example of commitment to climate justice, we deny the power of history, colonialism, 
and the resulting present circumstances to dissuade us from this path of justice. We deny the power of capitalism, privilege, supremacy, dominance, ableism, patriarchy, and misogyny to separate us from the oneness that binds us as inhabitants of Earth. We acknowledge the elements in our cultures and our societies that are intended to keep us from wholeness. By honoring the living examples of these 2020 recipients, we affirm our shared responsibility to disrupt the influence of these forces in our lives. We diligently strive to improve our understanding of the impact of these forces and without guilt or shame to intervene in all instances when these forces show up before or within us. In honoring these individuals, we recommit this day to continue our own efforts to unite as one global community dedicated to building relationships among the beautiful diversity of all living beings built on cherishing the lives of all beings and the strength, wisdom, and joy inherent in our living, blossoming lands. And in deep recognition of the Buddha nature within each of us, its reflection in our environment, we reaffirm our dedication to life, to continuity, to growth, and development of love for all beings. May we purify our minds, limit our desires, learn to be content, feel free to experience the quiet, unassuming joys of life, and learn to abandon all attachments formed in the mind. With this prayer, we endeavor to increase our understanding and appreciation of what others have given and contributed to us and to develop constant mindful consideration of how our thoughts and actions will beneficially contribute to others. May the merits we have accumulated by this offering, by this gathering, be distributed among all living beings, and may we and all other living beings attain the awakening of the Buddha. May all the Dharma realms equally benefit. Namu myoho renge kyo. Thank you, Bishop, for your invocation this evening. It is now my privilege to present our first awardee, Jorge Diaz. Jorge Diaz co-founded Ajitarte in 1997 and is an editor of the book, When We Fight, We Win. He is a puppeteer, a popular educator, and bicultural organizer with over 25 years of organizing experience. He is deeply committed to working class struggles against oppressive systems, namely colonialism, patriarchy, white supremacy, and capitalism. Jorge is also a founding member of Papel Machete, a collective of radical artists and street theater puppetry workers dedicated to education and solidarity within 21st century Puerto Rico and its diaspora. Jorge received his BA in mass communication from Emerson College in Boston, Massachusetts. Jorge strives to be a rigorous, organic, provocative intellectual and is based in his hometown of Santurce, Puerto Rico. We welcome Jorge to, with us this evening, and we thank you very much for letting us honor you and your commitments, and are grateful for all you do to improve the world in which we live. On behalf of the Rothko Chapel, we are pleased to present you with the 2020 Oscar Romero Award. Thank you so much, and please share with us this evening.
Uh, hola, buenas noches. Um, I'm honored to be here. I first want to thank all of the Rocco Chapel workers, all the people doing all the tech work. I messed up with the mute button. Um, and the interpreters for all the labor to make this ceremony happen, especially under the circumstances of this pandemic, which does not allow us to be in space together. I want to congratulate our fellow awardees, Bernadette and Herman, for the incredible work in this award we're receiving today in the name of Oscar Adolfo Romero. I want to thank Ashley Kramer, and especially Kelly Johnson for all the help in this process, and to Brian Parras for always being in solidarity and amplifying our work. I also want to recognize the amazing people who work I'm an organizer, and I want to recognize specifically my leadership team who always has my back, Sureli, Tina, and Jose Primo, and also the volunteers of our organization and the fierce members of our steering collective. This work would not be possible if it wasn't for all our people, but also my survival as a human I love you deeply. I also want to take a moment to recognize the shoulders upon we stand on, those who came before us, the elders and ancestors who opened up the ways for us, resistance and struggle, for us to be able to do this work for our collective liberation. I am the co-director of Ajitaki, an organization of working class artists and cultural producers who work at the intersections of race, class, gender, sexuality, and ideology. I mention ideology as a critical component of our radical process and as unity in the struggle of Ajitarte and practices of cultural solidarity and frontline struggles. We initiate and lead community-based art programs that propose educational alternatives to generate possibilities for transnational in our world. In the past 23 years, Ajitarte has developed transnational cultural organizing projects alongside community partners in Puerto Rico and the United States. Over the course of Ajitarte's history, we have created original cultural projects, many with communities that geographically are not our own, but that we have built solidarity and kinship with. I want to talk a little bit about the work, actual work that we do. Um, especially nowadays, anybody talks about cultural production. I want to be tell you a little bit about that for us and what 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 is it that been able to do? Because uh, as I always said, you know, we we started as a as a theater. We said that we are really a media. Project. We're an arts project. We're a communications project. So, and and as we engage in mutual aid work after the hurricane. Uh, cultural work became something else. So everything that we do, all the work that we do is culture. So I want to highlight some of the main programs of our work, specifically the Popular Education and Performance Program, which supports and develops projects for agitation and popular education, to employ theater, puppetry, visual art, and music. Through this program, we extend our work and resources as a movement grassroots cultural organizing groups and collectives fighting for liberation in the US. Of this, and um, you mentioned, Papel Machete is the flagship project of this program. And we do work on streets, theaters, and now after this, uh, in the, during this COVID crisis, we also been work of video, virtual uh, cultural work. We work through these virtual groups. I also wanna highlight our, our space, Casa Taller Cangrejera, this is our movement, community, and cultural space in Santuzzi, Puerto Rico, where we offer workshops, art builds, community events, and host guests and residents, artists from around the world. I also want to talk a little bit about publications. Beginning in 2016, when we fight, we win. 21st century movements and the activists are transforming our world. Co-authored. Co-authored by Greg Jobin Lees, and we have produced publications like the text of 
doesn't share political analysis about issues oppressing the working class. Currently, we're producing a podcast, If I Win, which, by the way, we have a great episode coming up tomorrow highlighting the work of G2PR and the Journey to Justice Alliance. We have other projects, but I'd like to talk about the Solidarity Program, which we call the main projects um, after the hurricanes and now the COVID crisis. We have this mutual aid efforts that we had all over the islands, understanding that under U.S. colonization and late-stage capitalism, our people will be, continue to be disproportionately affected by natural and political disasters. I read all this, and there's a lot of other I can share with you if we have more time. And, I, and I'm amazed with the countless hours of work that people do, amazed by the capacity we have come together. And I'm proud to be able to be one of the organizers who have made this happen. Personally, I owe this to my mother. She was an organizer in Boston, Eggleston Square, and was the one who got me into this. I realized that it all started for me when I was six years old. I have a couple of memories of my parents organizing with the Puerto Rico Independence Party at the time in Barrio Obrero in Santurce, my hometown. But really, the images that sticks with me is the one of my mother taking me to a protest in 1978 for the killing of two pro-independence Puerto Rican college students framed and killed by the police in Puerto Rico on July 25th in Cerro Maravilla, the same day commemorating the U.S. invasion of Puerto Rico. And now it's also the commemoration of we ousted Ricardo Rosselló, the governor of Puerto Rico, last year. As we march, I noticed the incredible show of force of police, and I will never forget the helicopter flying over us and asking my mother, why, why, why is it so close and aggressive? Who without flinching told me the police and the federal government were a repressive force who harassed and attacked our people. And I need to apologize for a second. I realize I have not talked about Puerto Rico's social political situation, but that would take definitely a lot of time to address. But basically, we're an invaded country colonized by the U.S. since 1898. And as the U.S. very well describes, we belong to, but we're not a part of. By 1977, I was five years old. I knew I was an independentista growing up in an anti-imperialist household. And even though my parents did not last long in the independence party, I felt part of a larger community of activists and militants who wanted freedom for our land and our people. However, I also learned quickly the power of cultural hegemony, the pervasiveness of dominant culture and the problems of so-called common sense. I mean, of course, I didn't have the language at the time, but it was very clear when I spoke to people of all ages and walks of life that these ideas of freedom, justice, and equality, which I had at the time, were not common. In fact, common sense was that they were not possible. What seemed logical to me as a kid, thanks to the teachings of my parents and community about liberation for our islands, was not the case for most of my family and society as a whole. Pro-independence people were often seen as extremists or idealists, or at best, really intelligent and committed people with impossible ideas. And this is precisely the problem with dominant culture and its common sense. Years of brainwashed education, colonial mindsets, and self-hatred, typical of colonized people, shaped our conceptions as an invaded nation and our worldview as Puerto Ricans and Caribbeans. Which reminds me of today, as we talk about abolishing police and ICE, most people can't imagine the possibility of it. It's just common sense to most that we need police, ICE, and the military industrial complex. We have normalized the idea of policing and punishment. We have accepted as a society, the carceral state. Even the idea of radicality is seen as extremist in the context of this society, disregarding the possibility of true transformation, which literally means building a new reality, which deals with the root of the problem, as opposed to solutions which fail to address fundamental contradictions and problems in our world. Which is interesting to me as folks talk about defunding police, which has sparked conversations all over the US and many parts of the world. As much as I believe that defunding the police can reduce the militarization of it and many of its problems in dealing with our people, I can see why many who benefit from the system economically can object to it in fear of their own well-being. However, if we speak radically about abolishing police, and ICE, of course, we can speak of transitions, of redefining concepts and ideas of justice, 
to a paradigm of transformative praxis. And if common sense didn't get in the way, it seems like a reasonable proposal for transition from this white supremacist carceral state to a place of transformational justice in our societies. Personally, to receive an award in the name of Oscar Arnulfo Romero, which has been awarded to people like Berta Cáceres, is more than an honor to me. I am little next to these brave individuals who gave their lives for the people, for the truth, for a better life with dignity and respect for our communities and our environment. On the other hand, I believe in the subjective power of the little people, of us being subjects of our destiny with the power to transform the conditions which affect and redefine our possibilities in our lives, our ability to come together and build community from a place of deep love, commitment, rigor, and solidarity. I've never received an award for my work, which is our work, my people's work. I'm an organizer. I see my role to work with others to make it an organizing effort, one that lifts up the collective, not the individual. However, as an individual, I take this award as an opportunity to reaffirm my commitment to collective struggle for a life in which we can be free from violence. The one Oscar Arnulfo Romero speaks to when he speaks of the violence which lies at the root, the structure of violence. A dismantling of the systems of oppression to live in a world free from imperialism, white supremacy, patriarchy, heteronormativity, ableism, and capitalist exploitation and extraction in an environment of peace and harmony for all of us in all of our intersectionalities and diversities. I thank the Rothko Chapel for the recognition of the collective cultural and solidarity work we have been doing in communities with Haitarte for years and the broader liberation movement in Puerto Rico at the front lines. And more recently, in response to the climate crisis and political catastrophe caused by the local and federal governments after natural disasters in Puerto Rico over the last two and a half years. I would like to end by a quote by Oscar Anulfo Romero, and I'll quote, I will not tire of declaring that if we really want an effective end to violence, we must remove the violence that lies at the root of all violence, structural violence, social injustice, exclusion of citizens from the management of the country, repression, all this is what constitutes the primal cause from which the rest flows naturally." End of quote. Thank you very much. Jorge, thank you very much for your, your words, your work, and your wisdom, and your willingness to be living embodiment of the values that you care so much about, not only for you, but for your colleagues, your comrade, and your community. Again, on behalf of the Rothko Chapel, we thank you again for letting us honor you with the 2020 Oscar Romero Award. Many blessings in the days ahead. It's now my privilege to present tonight's second awardee, Bernadette Dementieff. Bernadette is the executive director of the Gwich'in Steering Committee, and she is a Gwich'i Z Gwich'in. She was raised in Fort Yukon, Alaska, and spent her summers in Vinity. Bernadette's great-grandmother was Marxist Moses from Old Crow in the Canadian territory of Yukon, and her grandfather, Daniel Horace, is from Fort Yukon, Alaska. Her parents are Betty and Bernard Hornsby. Bernadette, Bernadette is the mother of five children and grandmother of five beautiful grandchildren. She takes her family lineage and current relationships and her position with her family very seriously as they have transformed her life to better serve her people. Bernadette stands strong to protect the Arctic Natural Wildlife Refuge Coastal Plain, the Porcupine Caribou Herd, and the Gwich'in Way of Life. Bernadette is a council member for the Arctic Refuge Defense Council. She also serves as an advisory board member for the NDN Collective, 
the Care of Creations Task Force, Native Movement Alaska, and Defend the Sacred Alaska. She is a tribal member of the Gwich'in Tribal Government and serves on the Leadership Council for ITR. Tonight, it's my honor and privilege to share space with Bernadette. Bernadette, we thank you so much for letting us honor your commitments and are grateful for all you do to improve the world in which we live. On behalf of the Rothko Chapel, we are pleased to present you with the 2020 Oscar Romero Award, and we look forward to your remarks this evening. Merci, Chong. First, I'd just like to thank Creator for bringing us all together. My name is Bernadette Dementif. I'm the executive director of the Gwich'in Steering Committee. We represent 15 communities throughout Alaska and Canada, and I am from Fort Yukon, which is eight miles above the Arctic Circle. The Gwich'in, the Gwich'in Nation have had a spiritual and cultural connection to the porcupine caribou herd since time immemorial. Protection of the birthing and nursing grounds is a human rights issue. The caribou are the foundation of our culture and our spirituality. They provide food, clothing, and tools, and they are the basis of our song stories and our dances. The there was a time when we were able to communicate with them, and we made a vow to take care of each other. The Arctic Refuge is known to my people as the sacred place where life begins. It is not just a piece of land with oil underneath it. I want to say to Cassandra Carmichael and the team who acknowledge the work of the Gwich'in people. And first, I want to explain that just because I'm here, it does not make my voice more important. Everything I know comes from my elders, from my leaders, and from prayer. I speak for the Gwich'in Nation and the many Alaskans and Americans who oppose development into Arctic National Wildlife Refuge. This place has been sacred to the Gwich'in since time immemorial. The caribou the migra that migrate through there every year are the source of our food, identity, and spirituality. Our creation story tells us that there was a time that we were able to communicate. <clears throat> I'm here to let people know that it's not always easy to travel across the country into different environments, asking people for help because our elected leadership in Alaska listens to the corporations over the indigenous voices. Scientists from around the world warn us that this is not the right move to make. But I could have told you that because my elders are my scientists and they have warned us th of this. Um, in 1988, actually at the very first Gwich'in gathering that was held in over 150 years, the Gwich'in nation elders and chiefs gathered because of the threat of oil and gas into Arctic National Wildlife Refuge. We are real people. We are mothers, we are fathers, we have jobs. We are not asking for anything, for the, for the ability to live and thrive off the land that Creator blessed us with. I am not an environmentalist or an activist. I am a mother. I am a grandmother who is concerned about the future of my children. We will never stop defending our way of life. Jonathan Solomon, one of my um, former board members, he told me, you know, one time I was traveling and I was speaking at an event and there was scientists and doctors and, 
you know, all these big people and, and I felt out of place. And uh, a woman, uh, an, an elder, she came up and she stuck her hand on my shoulder and she told me that believe in yourself. Your ancestors are with you. Right then and there, I remembered what Jonathan told me. He said, I went to the third grade and I've been standing up to one of the biggest governments in the world. If you have it in your heart, you have it. And I'm here to tell you, it is our responsibility as human beings to take care of this land, to take care of our water, to take care of our animals. Our animals cannot speak. They cannot tell us that they are sick, that they are starving. They cannot tell us that we are hurting their habitat. We have a responsibility to our future generations, whether you're indigenous, white, black, we have a responsibility to keep a healthy environment for our future generations. It frustrates me that regardless of this 30-year fight that we've had with this government, that we still have to, it's 2020, and we still have to go out and fight to keep our land sacred. Our identity as Gwich'in people is not up for negotiation. And I want to um, accept this award on behalf of the Gwich'in Nation of Alaska and Canada. And I also want to honor it to my late son, Peter Horace Wright, who was murdered November 14, 2019. <laughs> without his love, without his support, <laughs> and all his babysitting, I wouldn't have been able to do all the work that I've done. It's different without him here. But I know that he is there and he's at, he's waiting for me until I day that until the day that I'm going to meet my ancestors and he'll be right there willing and ready to welcome me. Our elders they told us to go out and tell the world that we are here to do it in a good way and not to compromise our position. that do it in a good way. That is a very simple sentence, but it's not always easy, especially when we are up against so much dishonesty and misleading statements from our own government. And so today I ask you to stand with the Gwich'in Nation, protect the Arctic National Wildlife Refuge, learn about us, this is not just about a wilderness. Of course, we are, we are all interconnected up here to our land, water, and animals. And if our animals and our land is sick, then we are sick. And so I just, um, you know, I, I, don't, I always feel a little bit uncomfortable receiving awards and whatnot, but I just want everybody to know that there's a, there's a lot of work behind um, my voice. That, you know, everything I know does come from my elders, and there's a lot of people that you do not see. So I want to um, accept this on behalf of all the Gwich'in. I love you guys. I'm proud to be Gwich'in. And um, and I just want to remind everybody, you know, our ancestors, they worked hard for us to be here. There's, they survived some of the coldest, harshest winters so that we could be here. We, we owe that same dedication and respect to our future ancestors. On behalf of my people, Masit Cho and Abasit, thank you. Bernadette. On behalf of the chapel and our community, we want to thank you very much for sharing 
and really personalizing the work and the struggle that, as you noted, we're all part of and we all need to be concerned about. And again, it's an honor for the Rothko Chapel to be able to present you with the 2020 Oscar Romero Award. Many blessings upon your work in the days ahead. And now it's my honor to present our third awardee this evening, Herman Chirinos. Herman is a land and water rights activist from Honduras. Over the past 10 years, protected and publicly held lands in southern Honduras have been privatized and large-scale energy projects and logging have limited access to both water and land. Motivated by this growing environmental crisis, Herman joined other activists in 2014 to found the Southern Environmental Movement for Life, better known as Mas Vida, an association of 37 communities in active resistance to the destruction of their land and their water. Even in the face of two attempts on his life, Herman continues to work for justice on behalf of his community. It is with that as background this evening, Herman, we thank you very much for again letting us honor your commitments to a better world and are grateful for all that you do to improve the world both locally and that we all live in. On behalf of the Rothko Chapel, we are honored to present you with the 2020 Oscar Romero Award, and we look forward to hearing your remarks this evening. Thank you, Herman. Hi, good evening. Can you hear the audio? Okay. Good evening, friends from the Rothko Chapel Foundation and siblings who are also receiving the award from Alaska and Puerto Rico, colleagues from the Mas Vida Council, and special guests. Those of you who are watching us right now through the different medias and virtual media, uh, all around the world. My name is Germán Chirinos. I'm the coordinator of the, the Southern Movement, Southern Environmental Movement for Life in the south of Honduras. I'm also a survivor of acts of violence, kidnapping, and death threats. This past Saturday, in, under quarantine, under the pretext of anti-drug activities, where I live, a group of special forces invaded my home, searched everything that I had in my house, and once they finished this cruel search, they, they said goodbye by threatening my life. Today, I feel honored. We, the defenders, are not people who are accustomed to receiving awards. I think that nobody should be awarded for fulfilling their human responsibility of taking care of the common good and defend human rights. But nonetheless, it is it is very hopeful. I've never expected to receive an honor like this until I understood that this is not about personal prestige. I receive it full of humility on behalf of my wife, Adela del Carmen, on behalf of my four children, Reniere, Daniela, Emanuel, also on behalf of my parents, Jose Santos and Susana Gutierrez, who have suffered alongside myself all the highs and lows of being a defender. I also receive it on behalf of all the defenders of land, 
and of all the other common goods, water, land, and air, who over the last years we have worked as part of Mas Vida, this recognition elevates the volume of our voices. It also visibilizes our struggle. It lets us know that we are not alone and because we are not defenseless, we are protected. It also clarifies the accompaniment of the international community against the giant corporations, the police, the military, and the media that that don't work for the defenders in the community. The folks in the southern region of the country were not rowdy or terrorists or were not in opposition to progress or inversion or the government as we are accused by many folks. Our struggle of men and women who are in permanent resistance, as was developed by our organization, we focus on conscious racing and knowledge about the impacts of minery, of pollution, of different illnesses and death, the destruction of the land, appropriation of the sea. We have learned that changes in the energetic formula are extremely important, but the energy that is produced is only clean for those that consume it. For many other men and women who fight, that energy is not clean, it is full of blood. Because it destroys the forest, it destroys our productive culture, it contaminates sources of water and reduces our survival opportunities in our own land. In Honduras, we have the curse of natural resources under the predatory capitalist system that's also racist and patriarchal. Under this model, we are foreigners in our own home. How the youth of our communities are thinking about moving to Spain, finding a job in the U.S., usually moving and migrating on foot through caravans, because that is what the conditions in our country are making us do. The call for development with a large fiscal and economic privileges to the corporations, they tear apart the country with a constitutionality that is failed and that is opaque by dark interest. That does not include us. It does not see men and women who are impoverished without land. Capital, credit, technical assistance, health, and education. The current impact of COVID-19 lets us know we are right. The country with a collapsed health system, a lost school year, a multiplying of the virus in the rural and indigenous work sectors. Nonetheless, the large debts in, co in solidarity corporations, unscrupulous corruption, they have not they have not left as expected the response of the government. And the most needy families in the lands that are needing the attention from our governments are ignored. Again, especially in the rural sectors. What is saving us during these pandemic times? Solidarity. That the small productive economies, the social economies that is forgotten in public policy. COVID-19 exposed the precarity of the health system that's been going on for decades and deepens the social and gender inequality, poverty, 
and the violation of human rights. By having the constitutional guarantees suspended under this state of emergency, the work of being a human rights defender becomes even more difficult and complicated to be able to guarantee, as it is, the respect of the rights of the men and women who fight day after day for a more just society. In this context, Honduras is a dangerous country for defenders. That's why today I am a collective voice denouncing the state of Honduras for not fulfilling their, their job of guaranteeing and protecting human rights for all citizens that demand it. On the contrary, with a military and police force that abuses, oppresses, and persecutes and many times allows and even facilitates the assassination of the defenders who fight daily in our southern region and in the country in general. That's why when we saw the denouncement of the death of George Floyd, we felt the rage of the African-American community with which we are in solidarity, especially with his family and the black population that has been discriminated by racism in the U.S. I'm also denouncing the private corporation that does not fulfill the basic human rights in their businesses because they, too, become persecutors. They stigmatize and participate in crimes against the defenders. I am also denouncing the financial entities, international financial entities that promote and finance the extractive model of human rights, of, who are also complicit in the grave situation we see with climate change. We make ours the words of Monsignor Oscar Romero. In the name of God and the suffering people, stop these destructive policies, the perverse injustice. Sign and apply the Skasu Treaty. Commit to the strict application of human rights, including the regulations of corporations stop the repression and stop conceding our country and our natural resources. We are still in time to stop this destruction, not just of our country, but of the entire humanity. All the men and women who in some manner fight to defend human rights are contributing with a, in small part with a tiny grain of sand contributing to protect the planet in which we all live. And this benefits not just Hondurans or Sureños, but the entire population of people living in this planet, in this Mother Earth that was given to us by God. All of us are in this struggle. That's why I reiterate that I received this award on behalf of the brave women of the Coordinating Council and the communities of the strong and fighting youth who are feared because they are unafraid. Also, on behalf of the social and popular communicators who are committed to truth and justice. Of course, I also dedicate this to our husbands and wives, to the children of these fighters, because they are founding the new egalitarian family into the, the committed church and the universities and the NGOs that in some way have also supported our work as Mas Vida day after day. 
Finally, I want to affirm to the entire world that to Germán Chirinos and to the men and women of Mas Vida, we are not defined by oppression or sadness or poverty or fear. Our life is defined by dignity, by faith, by hope, specifically the search for justice, because without justice, we will never have peace. Thank you very much. Herman, thank you very much for your Herman, muchas gracias por tus for letting us for a moment enter into your community and seeing a little broader the world in which you live, work, and serve, noting that what you do there impacts us here, and the same is true, what we do here impacts what you do there. Again, thank you very much on behalf of the Rothko Chapel for letting us honor you with the 2020 Oscar Romero Award. Many blessings on your work in the days ahead. Friends, as we close the 2020 Oscar Romero Award ceremony, I want to again thank our awardees for their powerful remarks. I want to again share with you, if we can put it on the screen, the, our friends Jorge, Bernadette, and Herman. Again, for each of you, I want to re reiterate one thing that I said in my introductory remarks is that important to the Rothko Chapel is a place where one can be safe and one can be assured that your voices will not be silent and you are invited always here to speak in the first person because it's with your testimonies that we do what you all have brought and given us the gift tonight, which is doing two things, broadening our horizons, and the second is inviting us to be part of the struggle for peace and justice, for the creation, not only for us today, but hopefully for many generations to come, that the earth can continue to bring life all. We thank you very much, and we look forward to a time when you could be in Houston. We're really sad you can't be here, but with COVID-19, you don't want to be here because you might not be out of your uh, uh, quarantine for months. So we're still working hard here on that front, uh, but we do look forward for the day when you can join us. And again, to all three of you, all the best in the days ahead and many blessings on your work and your struggle. Thank you. As we close tonight, I just want to reiterate that the video of tonight's program will be on our website, as are many of our programs over the decades. I also want to say, as a nonprofit organization, the Rothko Chapel depends on your generosity and there is also information on how to financially support the chapel's mission through your generous gifts. And finally, I also hope when circumstances allow, you will be able to visit the Rothko Chapel and the newly restored chapel sanctuary, our newly uh, reinvigorated grounds, and our new Suzanne Deal Booth Visitor Welcome House that were recently completed as part of the first phase of the Opening Spaces Capital Development Project as we get ready to serve the community and the world for the next 50 years. It will be good indeed when we can once again share each other's company physically. As tonight's program comes to an end, I invite you to watch the closing credits as we lift up and acknowledge all the previous Oscar Romero awardees. Like St. Oscar Romero, their courageous witness transcends both time and place and continues to call us to renew and strengthen our commitments as change makers and justice seekers. For the time now is short 
and the need for our witness is urgent. For as then Archbishop Oscar Romero wrote, peace is not the product of terror or fear. Peace is not the silence of cemeteries. Peace is not the silent result of violent repression. Peace is a generous, tranquil contribution of all to the good of all. Peace is dynamism. Peace is generosity. It is a right, and it is a duty. Thank you all for joining us this evening. Be well, be safe, and all the best in the days ahead.